Hello and welcome to the Calvary Chapel Southeast podcast. Thank you for joining us for our Grace and Truth series. At times in the Christian walk, grace seems at odds with truth. How do we show grace to our neighbor without compromising on the truth? How do we defend the truth without becoming utterly devoid of grace? The answer to these questions are found in Jesus, who is full of grace and truth. Grab your Bibles and let's jump right in. get to be together tonight. I'm supposed to be speaking on freedom in grace and truth. By the way, the last like three summers, I'm like almost the last speaker for all these series. So I'm supposed to kind of wrap it. I don't even know, but praying by God's grace tonight that it will go well. I am excited to be able to share and just um, see what the Lord's going to do to minister to us this evening. As I was praying through and just um, seeking the Lord, just, Lord, what do, you wanna, what do you wanna say to our church tonight? What do you wanna do? I, I realized that it could be easy just to take this evening and speak out against people outside of the church. They don't understand grace. They don't understand truth. They miss, uh, abuse freedom and what that looks like. And, um, but as I was just praying over tonight, I just said, Lord, like, what do you wanna teach us? And he just put in my heart that this message was for our church tonight just to understand even deeper just the grace of God, the truth of who he is and the freedom that we have in him. And so tonight we'll actually be really just um, camping in three different passages of scripture. And the first one's gonna be John chapter eight, verses 31 through 32. So if you brought your Bible or your phone or whatever other means you use to read the Bible, if you go ahead and turn there, And so here Jesus is just in the context of the chapter. He's been um, addressing the Pharisees, and he's also speaking to those who believe him. So it's kind of this back and forth conversation. So John chapter 8, 31 through 32, and I'm just going to go ahead and read this out. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I want to go ahead and just pray over this time, Lord. We just come to you. And Lord, we, we want to humble ourselves under the authority of your word and what you want to teach us and speak to us. And Lord, that you would correct any wrong thinking about your character or who you are. Or Lord, also how we're supposed to navigate our lives. And Lord, I pray that um, just that, even that word freedom would have a new meaning tonight. Not that we're coming up with anything new, but there's just a greater understanding of how you always meant it to be in your word. So Lord, we pray these things in your name for your glory. Amen. And so I just want to start with a short story. Uh, When I was a kid, I grew up in a, you know, pretty large family. I have five siblings. And so if you live in, have a large family, basically vacation means camping, and for those, of you, yeah, for those of you in large families, you know what I'm talking about. And so there was just a lot of camping trips growing up. Well, um, turned out I was a pretty rowdy. I was the very last one. I was at the tail end. Pretty rowdy kid. And so on our way to actually a church camp one year, uh, my parents were like, Josh is just out of control. We have to do something about this. So they bought a harness. And it was the last one at the store. It was hot pink. And they would harness me, and then they had this leash that would, like, extend and stuff. 
And I swear, I'm pretty sure they tie me up to trees and stuff and just like, don't, don't, don't feed him, you know, a little bowl of food and water. And um, so I had, you know, they had to keep me under control. Danae and I are starting to experience that now with our little Owen who just turned two on Saturday. And so just running around going crazy and stuff. Well, on one trip, we went out to Fort Stevens and beautiful camp. It's pretty close to the beach for those of you who've been there. And we're there at Fort Stevens, and my mom and my older siblings all went out to the beach. And then my dad's like, you know what, I'm going to take a nap. And guess what, Josh, you're going to stay here with me, and you'll take a nap because you're the little guy. And I think I was probably about four or five at this time. And um, so anyways, what happens? Family takes off. They go to the beach. Dad goes down for a nap. Josh does not go down for a nap. And then I find my little tricycle, and I rode it all the way to the beach. And then just freedom. You know, wind blowing through the hair. I get there, and then all of a sudden, you know, I'm like exploring. And then my mom's like, What the heck are you doing here? And busted. And I'm not saying I was busted, dad was busted. And so, um, you know, get back. But I think it's interesting, you know, I think sometimes when we think of freedom, when we use that word, many times we think of that it means without boundaries or I get to do what I want to do. Um, But tonight, we'll look at what does the Bible have to say about freedom in light of grace and truth in Jesus. So looking at John 8, once again, 31, 32, and I'll just kind of walk through it. But so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him earlier in chapter 8, Jesus was saying that he is from the Father and many believed in what he said. So now he's addressing those who believe and giving them instruction on what to do with this belief. And here, Jesus gives us this exhortation, this instruction. Right there in verse 31, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples. And then we'll pause there. His word is our map for being a disciple of Christ. And just coming back to that continually. The word keeps us anchored. It gives us that instruction. David Kuzik said, if we will be Jesus' disciples, we must abide in his word. There is no other way to be a follower of Jesus The word made flesh is to abide, to live in, to dwell in, to make your home in, in his word. Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living, how? According to your word. How can we stay on this path? By staying according to sin, by staying in the word. Another commentator named Tasker described what it means to abide in his word. I thought this was um, a great explanation. Welcoming it, being at home with it. And living with it so continuously that it becomes part of the believer's life, a permanent influence and a stimulus in every fresh advance in goodness and holiness. And then what is the wonderful outcome of this abiding in the word? In verse 32, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you what? Free. Amen. What Jesus is saying What would they be free from? Maybe that's the question we need to ask. And and I think in so many ways, this could be a lot of different things. This could be sin. This could be self-righteousness. We'll talk through these things tonight. But in this passage, he says, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. That's in verse 34. And then his truth sets us free from the bondage and the power of sin. And praise the Lord for that, that we don't have to continue in that sin And then Jesus also addressed those who are against him in 43 through 44. 
Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot listen to my word. You are of the father, of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. The truth of Jesus, praise the Lord, sets us free, not only from the bondage of sin, but it sets us free from the lies of this world. And in his truth, we don't have to live out those lies anymore. It rewrites the script. Up until the time we meet Jesus, we are on our own trajectory just to to live out our own pleasure and do our own will and try to self-satisfy, self-seeking. But now that Jesus has come into our lives, those lies don't have to be our authority anymore. The lies of our own thinking, the lies of the culture of how life works, the lies of how to satisfy the deepest needs of our life. And we see that in so many people just chasing their tail. And I think even in the church, there's times where we live into those lies. But thankfully, in God, in his freedom, in Christ's freedom, that we don't have to live into those any longer. And I just, I thought of this as I was, as I was preparing um, when I was a teenager. So fast forward a couple of years from our whole beach experience. When I was a teenager, one of the things we did as a church every year, we had a men's rafting trip. It's a great time. Loved it. A lot of near-death experiences. It was, you know, mom never knew, once again. But um, so we'd go rafting and cliff jumping and hiking mountains and all this stuff. And one of the things that um, we always did when we did, got there on the Deschutes, we'd unpack our bags and stuff. And then there was a group of guys who either had girlfriends or wives, and then they hiked to the top of the mountain to get cell phone reception and call out. And I was the young single guy with nothing to do. And so I was like, oh, I'll call you know, super awkward 15-year-old. And um, so I would hike up there with them. And then while they're on the phone, I remember this one night in particular, they're all on the phone. And then I'm like, oh, I'm just going to kind of hike around these rocks. And I didn't have a flashlight. Everyone else had the flashlights and stuff because, you know, unprepared 15-year-old. And so I remember this one night, I'm climbing up these rocks and there's like this little ravine or chasm, whatever you want to call it. And I was like, oh, it's probably not that deep. And, and so I jumped over it. And then I got to the other side and then it was only like five feet. And then it was a, like a sheer cliff of like 40 feet. And then, but I couldn't really see it's at night. So I'm like, oh, it's probably not that far. And then I went back and, you know, mosey back down the hill or whatever. Well, then the next day, a group of guys were like, oh, we're going to go get cell phone reception again. And I was like, oh yeah, I want to come, you know. So I'm hiking up the hill and uh, that wasn't Danae's voice, by the way. But um, so I'm hiking up the hill and all of a sudden um, I get up there and I realized the area I'd been hiking around the night before, that, that like chasm in the rocks was like 25 feet deep and it was, you know, straight off like jagged rocks at the bottom. And then on the other side was like a 40 foot drop. And in the darkness, I couldn't see that. You know, in the darkness, I couldn't tell those things. I couldn't tell where the danger was. But when the light came in, all of a sudden, I could tell where the issues were. And in John, it also says that Jesus is the light, and his light shows us the truth and exposes the lies of the darkness. There's no darkness. The darkness cannot overcome it. And so, thankfully, God's freedom, Jesus' freedom, the grace and truth, it sets us free from those lies. Proverbs 9.13, one of my favorite books of the Bible, says the woman named Folly is brash and she is ignorant and doesn't even know it. And I just think of also, it's like, man, there's so many times in our own lives. I think before coming to know the Lord in my life, I was like, I was an idiot and I didn't even know it. I was living into that life, you know, just continually. It was like, what the heck was I thinking? 
But I love what it says, Micah 4, 12, it says that he will teach us, that God specifically will actually teach us. He will speak into our lives. You know, uh, Doug brought up a couple months ago about the Jefferson Bible and how Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson, um, he really didn't hold to a, a belief in um, supernatural or that God would speak into his creation or anything like that. He thought Jesus was a great ethical person, but that's about it. He had this whole great watchmaker theory that God wound up creation, set it off into existence and then just kind of let it do its thing. But thankfully, that's not the truth. You know, through the person of Jesus, he came and then also he did teach us. And now we do have his instruction. We have his word to continually lean on. Pastor Doug said, and I'm going to you know, paraphrase this, if we are not lovers of the truth, we are doomed to succumb to lies. That that's, that's our outcome. If we do not love the truth, we will fall for lies every time. And I think understanding that more and more, God, teach me your truth. Truth informs us we need redemption. And grace is the means by which we receive redemption. So kind of shifting gears a little bit, looking at grace and what does the Bible have to say about it? And so I want to look at what Paul has to say about it. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. So if your Bible, once again, just turn over there to Romans 6, 1 through 4. Right before this portion of scripture, Paul is speaking out about how our righteousness is in Christ alone. There, then here's what he has to say right after that. Romans 6, starting in verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? Far from it. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in the newness of life. Praise the Lord for that, guys. I love that. And, and that's something I think we get so confused. Grace um, is not a permission slip to live out our selfish desires. Instead, it gives us the freedom to no longer be in bondage to our selfish desires. And just understanding that more and more. And I think something that I, looking at, you know, that we're just freed from this, this sin, the bondage of sin. And each one of us know what our, our sin habits are, or what our weaknesses are, what our issues are, and so does the devil. And for some of us, it's lust. For some, it's just the endless self-medicating of trying to, you know, avoid reality and think on other things if we struggle with depression or whatever that is instead of seeking the Lord, seeking things to satisfy us. And honestly, for some, it's less noticeable sins. And I think within the church, something that attacks us continually is gossip and slander within churches. And I think it's very interesting how much Paul had to address that to the churches, but it's something that we don't take very serious a lot of times. And not necessarily our church, but I'm saying churches as a whole. And I even find myself, I remember in college one night, you know, there was one of the guys, and he was being a goofball, I'll, I'll say that. But anyways, we're all talking about him in the dorm, and like, what an idiot. And then my roommate just laid into us, like, man, you can't just talk bad about a person. You need to go and speak to them in person. And, you know, he just went off. And then at the end of it, I was like, man, he was totally right. And it was a great learning experience for me. And praise the Lord for those people who will call us out on those types of sins. Because otherwise, there's a lot of times we never, ever see it. You know, so, so, you know, as the church, like keeping each other accountable in that, you know, Lord, free us from that bondage of sin. 
And then I just want to you know, take a glance, and you don't need to flip there, but just write it down. Galatians 5.1, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. I think this is a great spot in scripture. When we hear it, we think, preach it, Paul. You know, that's just great, man. Paul, yeah, those sins that so easily entangle and everything. But I think it's interesting. Paul isn't talking about a sin failure issue here. He is speaking of the slavery of legalism and self-righteousness. And guys, that's something we have to address in our own heart continually in the church is that self-righteousness, it hits a little too close to home. And I think when we read the book of Galatians, it's a difficult book because it's like, man, I can't run back to the flesh to try to fix my problems. How am I in my flesh going to fix something that's a spiritual issue? And I can't. I have to rest on on the Lord and ask him to keep doing that work. But thankfully... Thankfully, there's even freedom from the self-righteousness through Jesus. Grace makes us free from the bondage of it. And our pride makes us long for self-righteous living with complete self-dependence instead of dependence upon Christ. But once again, there's freedom found in the Lord. Speaking on the subject of grace, Chuck Smith said, Grace transforms desolate and bleak plans into rich, green pastures. It changes grit your teeth duty into loving, enthusiastic service. It exchanges the tears and guilt of our own failed efforts for the eternal thrill and laughter of freely offered pleasures at the right hand of God. Grace changes everything. And praise the Lord for that. What else are we free from? And I think there's this, you know, we've looked at just that Um, the lies of this world. We're also free from the bondage of sin. But something also, and I don't want to exhaust this because I think we talk about it a lot in church, but it's also so important, is the penalty of sin. Um, We've mostly been just looking at how grace and truth sets us free from the bondage or the power of sin, but it also sets us free from this penalty. The truth reveals to us, without Christ, we are destined to be separated from God and bound for hell. And grace is the means by which God rescues us and brings us back into right relationship with him. Author Larry Fowler said, how do we find freedom from the penalty and power of sin? That comes through accepting Jesus Christ's death on the cross as the payment for our sin. As we submit to Christ, sin loses its power. Christ's power takes over. As we choose to trust and follow him, our spiritual habits, thoughts, attitudes lose their control. Guilt disappears and peace of mind dominates. Right habits become the norm And that's freedom, true freedom. There's so much joy in this type of freedom that God wants us to partake in. And we no longer have to live in shame over our past mistakes because all of our sin was nailed to the cross of Christ. And how thankful can we be for that? That we don't have to live in our shame anymore of past mistakes that we made. That there's a freedom in moving forward. And I've I've known different people through time, they just cannot get over it. They're like, I just did this thing, and I was an idiot, and I made a bad mistake, or a horrible life of mistakes. But thankfully, that because of the power of Christ, because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ, we don't have to live in that anymore. But we can actually move forward how God is calling us. So then, you know, just looking at those two passages, I want to give kind of, because I think it's interesting, um, what do we do with this freedom. We've spoken about what Jesus, the Son of God, kind of a big deal, said about being free. And we've looked at what Paul said about freedom, who wrote the most about grace in the New Testament. But now I just want to look at their mutual friend, Peter. 
And Peter gives us this clear insight into how to use our freedom. So, you know, just looking at this last passage, 1 Peter chapter 2, if you want to go ahead and turn there. And in this chapter, Peter is addressing submission to authority. In the middle of it, which is interesting, he speaks on how to live as free people, act as free people. And looking at verse 16, verse 16 act as free people and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil. Do not use it as an excuse or a license to indulge your flesh. You know, Paul just spoke into this back in Romans chapter 6. And then um, chapter 2, still in verse 16. But, but use it as bond servants of God. Use your freedom in submission to Christ is really that, that key here. We don't like the word servant. You know, it's interesting how we don't like the word servant. We don't like the word obedience. We're Americans. We don't, I deserve to be, you know, I, don't have, I can't, shouldn't do those things. And so, you know, it's interesting. I even find in the church, we kind of dance around it a lot of times. We dance around servant. We dance around obedience and repent, repentance a lot of times in that kind of language. You know, a lot of times we like the word child better, which is used in scripture, don't get me wrong. But I just think of, you know, it's all these pictures in scripture. It's like, okay, servant, well then child. And I think of my own kids. Once again, guys, Owen, the kid's wild. We take him to the beach. He's shoving his face full of sand. It's like, bro, what are you doing? That tastes horrible. And like one time he got a jellyfish in his mouth. We're like pulling that thing out of there. And like, I'm not even kidding. This happened, you know, when we took him to the beach. And then he's like running around and he's trying to jump off stuff. And like, we have to discipline him. And it's like, okay, well, God's disciplining us. It's like a child. It's like, it's not getting much better. And then I just think of like, Thinking this out, it's like, okay, you don't like serving. We don't, you know, child's got some, you know, maybe neg- neg- negative ramifications. So like, what about sheep? You know, isn't that just beautiful? God's our shepherd and we get to be the little sheep in the pasture. Like Mary had a little lamb. Guys, his rod and staff comfort us. It's like, man, he's whapping the sheep back into submission. Like do, your, do the right thing. You know, you have to be obedient, be an obedient sheep. And it's like, it's interesting that even within like, we're talking about freedom and Peter's addressing freedom, but he's talking about servanthood, servanthood to the Lord. Any way you look at it, it doesn't matter if you're looking at servant, child, sheep. Ultimately, if we want to be disciples of Jesus, we have to come under his authority and following him and seeking him. Um, And then Peter just lays out these four basic instructions on what to do with our freedom, which I love. I love that it's like, you know, we don't have to come up with this. And so verse 17, honor all people. Um, And this goes beyond just doing or not doing what someone asks. The definition for honor is high respect or great esteem. You know, caring for people, which is so funny to me because I think in a lot of ways, our definition of freedom has nothing to do with like honoring people or submitting to the Lord. You know, it's like, oh, I'm free. I can do what I want, you know. And then they're flipping people off on the road or something. Like that's not, that's not at all like the definition within scripture. It's like you're caring for people. You're honoring them. And then the next one, number two, love the brotherhood, love the church. Sacrificially care for other people with our freedom and sacrificially care for others' needs. Number three, fear God. Have a reverence for God and a heart of thanksgiving because of the freedom he has given us. And I think this last one is like the big kicker. If you didn't first hear it with honor everyone, then also honor the king, honor authority. And then generally when people think of freedom, it's not in conjunction with authority, but freedom from authority. But Peter gives us a different instruction here. It's like you are actually um, submitting to the people who are above you and honoring them in that. 
And I know there's like a lot of question around this. What does this look like? And somebody pushes it too far. And you got, that's, that's not the question here. It's like you're honoring the people who are above you. You know, and that's, and you know, I, I speak with high schoolers all the time. And it's like, man, honor your parents. They try to like tell me how horrible their parents are sometimes. It's like, don't tell me. Like, I'm, I'm on your parents' side, you know. It's like, honor your parents. Care for them. And like in the same way, the Lord's calling us to care for the people, people around us. I think it's also just so interesting how it is that Peter says to use our freedom for the Lord. But when the conversation arises about freedom in the church, instantly we start thinking about like my liberties, you know, alcohol or can I do this or can I do that? And how far can I push things? And oh, you don't judge me. That's my freedom in the Lord. Now it's like, man, Peter's saying, no, use it. Use it for God. Like use it for the glory of the Lord. We get our attitudes so bent out of shape that it's all about us and me included. It's like, no, this is actually submitting to Christ and using our freedom for his glory. And we're instructed to use our freedom to serve the Lord and care for others. I think it's you know, interesting, just looking at other people, even in this phrase, but Martin Luther King Jr., if you read his grave, it says, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. And I think it's a beautiful phrase, guys. I would not discredit that at all. But at the same time, truth is we don't have to wait until we die to be free from bondage. We don't have to wait till we die to be free from the penalty and guilt and the shame. We can live in that freedom now. And just asking like, Lord, um, are, you, are you teaching us? Am I teachable? Am I understanding? Am I experiencing what you want me to have in this life right now? And I just love these words. And we sing them out as a church often. Oh, we're free, we're free forever, we're free. Come join the song of all the redeemed. Yes, we're free, we are free forever, amen, when death was arrested and my life began. We can have a freedom found in the Lord because of what he did. And are you experiencing that tonight? I just think of this last November, I had a relatively young guy in my office for a couple hours, probably two hours, and He'd gotten out of prison and he just was just not, you know, doing well in a lot of different areas. And I, I remember, you know, I'm, I'm like pulling my best material, like, man, we love you. And, you know, the church, it's not a museum for saints, but a hospital for sinners. And you belong here. He's like, I don't know, man. I don't know if I belong. And, you know, we're just talking and we're praying together and, and just trying to encourage him and do, you know, just like reaching out. And, and he just could not get past that. Like, I, I've just screwed up too much. I've screwed up too far and there can't be, you know, freedom for me now. And it broke my heart to find out the weekend before Christmas that he overdosed on drugs. And I don't say that lightly or just to abuse a story or anything like that of this man's life. But I think for us tonight asking like, man, are we, are we willing to accept that we, we do have a new life in the Lord? That we can have joy in the Lord? That there's a peace that passes all understanding in the Lord? And when we, when we do submit to him, we can experience that freedom only found in him. And I just want to leave with this verse. Going back to our original chapter, John 8, and just looking at 36. So if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. And Lord, we thank you for that tonight. We thank you that there is a hope in you that, Lord, we are not slaves to our flesh. 
Lord, our, our right standing with you is not dependent at all on our self-righteousness. Oh, Lord, but Jesus, you did, you paid it all. Oh, Lord, now we can be yours. We can have a right relationship with you. We can be free from the power of sin, from the penalty of sin. And now we have a calling to live out and to serve you with the life that you have given us. Lord, change our hearts, change our lives and our, and our just understanding of what this means. so that we can just walk rightly with you, Lord. And Lord, I pray tonight just for anyone who just um, just has that shame, that in, inward self-hatred, or just the, you know, I'm too far, that my life um, could not be valuable to the Lord, and just kind of just maintaining, or whatever that is, or holding the fort. Lord, I pray that tonight you would just minister to them in such a sweet way, such an intimate way, Lord, that they could just say, Abba, Father, and realize you're right there with them and that you care about them in the deepest needs of their life. Lord, you want the very absolute best for us and the very best for us is yourself. Mm-hmm. And we praise you tonight. Pray these things your name. Thanks for listening to part six of our Grace and Truth series. If you're ever in the Portland area, we would love to have you visit for one of our services. For more information about our church, you can visit our website at ccseportland.com. We hope you'll join us next week as we continue in our series together.